You're listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 372, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. Fanboy Pick of the Week podcast. It's episode 372. I am Josh Flanagan. I'm here with Connor Kilpatrick. Hi. And Paul Montgomery. I'm back. Yeah, that's kind of the thing. This is weird. That's how that's going to go. <laughs> Two weeks in a row I've never done before, so this is weird. So yeah. this is weird. Okay. Imagine 370 in a row. <laughs> iFanboy.com is our website and God help us. We like comics. God. We read comics. And every week we read a bunch of them, and one of us picks the one that is the best that we read that week. We write about it on the website, and then we come and talk about it on this podcast, along with other books from the week and some 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 other stuff. Salient sections to those who have a similar interest in this uh, medium. This week, oh, before we go, and this this is crucial. Paul, you're new here, so you may not know this, but we're going to be talking about what happens in the books. I didn't sign on for this. I know they may be spoiled, so I want you to I want you to understand that your books could be spoiled if you haven't read them yet. Come back later after you have, or uh, damn the torpedoes, go on with it, man. Connor, you had the pick this week. How was it? If you guys recall, you'll think back sixteen, seventeen months ago to the launch of the New Fifty Two <laughs> and just how awful Green Arrow was. Pretty bad. Green Arrow is a fan favorite character. Many people like him. I, he's one of my favorite characters. I know that Josh has been a fan at times in the past. He's, I, he's, he, he had a great run for a long time. He did. No, he, he had a very good run. And J- Judd Winnick had a lot to do with that for a long time. Uh, who? I, you know what? I'm trying to remember who wrote. Kevin Smith, Brad Meltzer, Judd no, Winnick. No, uh, the relaunched one. Like, I blocked it. I remember. Who was it? That uh, J.T. Kroll? J.T. Kroll and right. Dan Jurgens were the team yeah. on the relaunched one. Um, my fandom goes all the way back to Mike Rell's pre-Vertigo series that was an adult take on Green Arrow back in the 80s and 90s. And so it was really sad when the book was really, really terrible and no, and we didn't we didn't continue reading it. Flash forward to Green Arrow having a hit television series and so changes must be made. And now we have the new creative team of Jeff Lemire and Andrea Sorrentino who was the artist on iVampire taking over Green Arrow 17, which is the pick of the week. And it was really uh, a bummer to read this thinking this if this had been the you know, first issue, this might be a series where, you know, everyone's still talking about it. it might be a really popular series and you see, and it still could get there. But this was the kind of first issue that I, I had wished we had originally. Yeah, it's like a new number one, really. It is should that, be almost. How related is this to the, I read the, the first one or half of it. Well, that's it. what I wrote in my reviews. I, I have not read anything beyond the first issue. I actually read two when they tried a different creative team, which was just as, as bad in the middle. I read I some of the Nascenti stuff, yeah. yeah. I don't know anything I don't know anything about what the characters in the book besides Oliver Queen. I don't know what's been going on. I don't know who these people are. And really you don't need to because basically Jeff Lemire wipes them all away. Oh yeah, no. I mean I like I picked it up. I was like, Oh, it's it's a new thing and then I'll figure out who everybody is and, and that's cool. I was curious how just into uh, if anyone, there's like, a bit of the stuff about um him having Q Corp, his own little sort of little sandbox within his family's corporation and they were talking about how like it was getting more and more out of his control um, and, and other people were sort of taking over. So there's a bit of that yeah. in here. 
there's just enough to know that things have happened. First, we find out that Queen Industries has been bought or been hostily taken over by another company. So the corp- corporation's gone. His source of money is gone. And then, supposedly, all of his supporting cast is going to explode up in a bomb that blows up the building. So we really do, it seems to be, we'll have a man on, the, on, a, on his own on the run kind of scenario here. Now, it's possible people may also survive. They may not all be dead. But it seems to me like Lemire's really just sort of clearing the decks on this one. And saying, don't worry about what's happened before. Now this is what we have now in which an unseen force is attacking Oliver, attacking his life, framing him for murder, killing his friends. And now he's got nothing. He's, he's, he's literally just a guy in a bow and an arrow and a couple of his, his, his suits and that's all he is. And I like the fact that he's been stripped down. You know, he's just a green arrow at his essence. It's not like too much baggage around him. He's just a guy. It feels like to me that this uh, keeps green arrow year one in this story. In the continuity. They've pretty much been building off of that since that came out. That's yeah. sort of been their new... The island. Yeah. And that's even that's in the TV show, too. Yeah. It's that whole island thing. Although, I mean, that's been in, in the mythos, but I think year one... The stuff really on the that's... island and that sort of the yeah. look of it and the, the, the ethos of it. It very much is, fits into yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got a young, you know, young Oliver Queen who's on his own. He's, there's another archer who's taken his stash of weapons and he's using it against him. And Komodo. And uh, we don't know much beyond that. And I think I, th- I, th- I thought it was great. I thought the art from Andrea Sarantino was was really very appropriate. But I thought the more gritty style was good. I liked the black and white panels. Josh, you read some of *My Vampire*, right, or all of I read, *My Vampire*? Uh, not all of it. I read I read a bunch of it. Is this a style similar, or is it is it different? It's similar. This I'm mixed on this book actually. Uh, okay. I, I gave it I gave it three stars when I went through it. There's things I like about it and things I don't like about it. I don't think Sorrentino's a bad artist for this, but I think that I don't like the way he colored it. I agree. Yeah. I don't, like I think it's missing black and white texture. It would have much better. This kind of sort of it's almost a flat coloring, and this tends to work with a more to me with a more line based sort of cartoony style, and it felt like it flattened mm. out art that was not that didn't need like this. It felt like this needed more depth. If they were going to go for this sort of dark shadowy look, then the colors didn't seem to work with that well for me. And I looked, I was like, well, who colored it? And it's, it, you know, he colored himself. It feels a lot to me like he's aping Jock from that. However, the one of the things that I liked, uh, I liked the devices of the coloring, the, the black and white bits. I mm-hmm. liked the little inset panels that show like a detail of a moment. Uh, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that a lot. De- I think that there's definitely like, this is a takeoff of the of the Diggle Jock sort of era, you know, combined with the, the TV aesthetic. And there's, I think there's also a very heavy Hawkeye influence. Yeah, yeah. I mean, clearly, I, I gonna, clearly there's a bit of that aesthetic in here, too. To a, of, to a certain extent. I have another one of those. Um, I was reminded a lot of Brubaker and, and Fraction's Iron Fist. Yeah, mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Um, and what they were doing with, with AHA. And uh, I think it's... Um, a lot of the tone, and I think a lot of the look, and, and when you mentioned the the insert shots, the detail stuff, I think that's very is that yeah very much what they were doing with like that the martial arts moves. Um, yep. I, I can see the page in my head, and yeah, you're right, so. you're right. So in that way, like I just it felt like a, a bit of a hodgepodge. There were certain pages. There was, there was I think it's like what is it the the third page, just a shitload of panels and and exposition right away, and I was like, oh, that's a lot of words on a page. Yeah. Yeah, I took issue with that. I think it it, I think it gets better as it goes along. It's also that's part of the clearing of the decks part. No, there. And, I, and I get that, but it, they're but, setting you up and getting rid of all the stuff. But it was there. as one of the first things I saw. I was like, oh god, is the whole thing going to be like this? But uh, it was. It actually gets really sparse after yeah, that. Yeah, it does, and, I, and I, like, I like that a lot more. I, I think. I think in terms of scripting and in terms of art, it gets better as it goes along. Yeah. And I think 
you know, I think that the coloring is part of that in the beginning, you know, especially that those office scenes, like there's so much shadow. Mm -hmm. It it almost in a way, it feels like a like a parody of noir, like it's so shadowy. And it works much better when they're out on the rooftops. Um, yeah, you know, agree. with fighting and and you know shooting arrows at each other. And but, it, but it really does take take a big page from the other Archer book. But now that you say it, just to watch the green, yeah. it's literally the same thing that they're doing with purple. Yeah. So that that takes away from it a little bit, in in my estimation. I I find that uh, with a lot of Lemire's superhero stuff, I just don't quite love it. Mm-hmm. Like, there's not a thing that I can pick out that I can be like, oh, this is bad because it's not bad. Um, and it's it's light years better than it was. But it's not as good as I've ever, it's like it's not as good as the stuff that I really like. But and this is totally crank. This is going to sound like cranky comic book guy, and then I understand why it is. I like old Oliver Queen a lot, so I kind of never really glommed onto the young one. And I know why it has to be there. Market blah blah blah. That all makes sense. But like, it was one of my it was he's was one of my favorite characters when he was like sort of an older cranky guy. And I was uh, going to ask you guys that since since you're fans of of the older character, I, I, I thought like you were going to say because we're old and cranky. <laughs> that also works. <laughs> no. No, I, no, I, like I mean, as a contrast does it does it feel like Oliver to you? Does it feel like Hawkeye to you? Does it, you know, or something else? Does, They're not the same. He doesn't feel like Hawkeye. No, at all. They, it feels they like Danny Rand to me, to be honest. Yeah, it's very very similar to that. Very, they even look have the same haircut. Um, but nobody read that book, so it, it feels like a young young Green Arrow, which yeah. he was for a long time a young character. Yes, he um, was. for many many decades. It feels like the young guy starting out. I, I I'm, I'm enjoying the show so much that I'm also now enjoying this sort of extension. It's not the same. You know, they already have their own book. The show has its own book that comes right. out. But it's, I enjoy think, that ethos. You think back to that first, I don't know, 10 issues of uh, Green Arrow, Black Canary. Mm-hmm. You know, like that was, that was the good stuff. Yeah. Like, and he was, you know, he, he just had some more years on him. And, I, and I, I, like no power, I like no-powered characters, but as veterans. Like, because they got into it when it was early. They didn't know any better, but yeah. now they know how to handle themselves. But at a certain point, like if you're... You're young and you're in this world with no powers. Like it's it's not as attractive to me. But yeah, Batman Year One. I mean, yeah, yeah. But again, like that was a different where there weren't superheroes and superpowers. It wasn't. It was a you know like you know like in Watchmen. Like oh, it was a it was a gentler time. We didn't know. Right. Sure. But I mean, it doesn't mean it wouldn't happen. I just I just don't like it as much. I think I think that mustache and goatee goes a long way. It really does. I and I love I love that as an aesthetic. Like I, I like I love mm. the way it looked, and I don't like the way this looks as much. But again, I, I get it. You know, it's not for me. You a hat guy or a hood guy? Ooh, you know the hat makes no sense, but I like the hat. <laughs> I like the hat too. I've always been, I've always been a hood guy because of, no, the hood looks cool. Of, oh, They're way yeah. overdoing it. Like I see it right. everywhere now. I feel like because because of longbow hunters, right? Yeah, Connor? but his whole run, yeah. the whole run is the hood. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I know the hood, the hat's kind of cool. I dig it. Similar. We talked about problems with the art and the colors and et cetera. Snapshot number one from Image: Andy Diggle and Jock, who we just talked about, who did Green Arrow Year One. I thought Jock's art really suffered from not having colors, and I it thought it felt, really felt it unfinished. Felt not done. It felt like we were reading a variant. Yeah, like a mm, yeah. no color variant. Because I think a lot of the details left in his panels for the color. And, and this was yeah. this was originally serialized in England or something in yeah. Judge Dredd magazine yeah, or mag- something like that. Magazine, yeah. magazine. Sorry, magazine. Yeah. I got corrected on that one, so I'm never going to miss that again. Yeah, and you know that's a different that's a different style. I, yeah. I like that. It, it you know, it would have been cool to see. I, I was actually surprised. I was like, oh, they're going to go with full black and white. But I, I'm going to sound like I wanted to like this a lot more than I did. Yeah, yeah. I, I was yeah. really like, I was bummed out for a couple of reasons. One, the whole beginning. I, yeah, I, I do. I don't want to see a story about comic book nerds 
ever. Yeah, I, I and I was actually happy when the guy got shot in the head. Yeah, I yeah, wish no, he'd been uh, shot sooner. And I, in, their, in their chirpy like like 1996 Kevin Smith dialogue, and I was just like, oh, I'm done with it. And then <laughs> the other thing was is that the dialogue I I didn't know. I was like, are these guys in England or the United States? Because there were a lot of Britishisms in the way he's talking. Yeah, and I think he's a better writer than that. I just. It's in San Francisco, though, but, right? But did you like you know what yeah. I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, it's, it's basically, yes, it's, I do. Basically, an isotope. Yeah, no, I know that, but like his his dialogue was no, no. Said, he was asking if it was in San Francisco. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. No. It, yeah. And but it's, I, it's I found supposed to be San Francisco, right? But they yes. were talking like Brits, and I couldn't tell. And you know, then they say SFPD, so I knew who they were. Now, that's nitpicking. I I didn't want two dudes in a comic shop or the the pop culture. I don't need any of that. I've just seen it so many times that it, it just it's a peeve of mine. However, mm-hmm. however. Once it got going, it's a good story. It was interesting, and I liked the setup as it went going. And the, you know, these guys do have a certain magic together. Um, I thought tell the people what's what it's about for anyone who hasn't. Uh, dude is on his way to work. He sees a phone in the the park. Um, park. And he picks it up. Finders keepers, losers weepers. Literally says that, and sees pictures of dead bodies on the phone. Then he answers the phone like a moron. Right. <laughs> And he's the coolest, you know, hipster-looking comic book store worker ever. But he's an idiot. And then the, goes to the police, and they don't believe him. And, and then then he goes to the apartment of the guy that got the phone back. He was like, you're out, dude. Don't look into it further. No one does this. It just – the reasons for those weren't – But it's a, a kid discovers a phone with a, with a dead body on it, and he gets caught up in the mystery, and, the, and yeah. the, there's a few killers after him, and blah, I, blah, blah. I liked the ending bit. I don't want to yeah. give it away because a lot of people have read it supernatural involved i don't know we'll find out yeah. we don't know but it was the twist of it that made it but made me say okay well this isn't entirely routine yeah it's like sort of it was sort of like a looper kind of thing well not it's not that it's not time travel i was just in my head i'm like well, yeah. okay well how does this work and yeah i, I think you nailed it i wanted to like it a lot more than i did I, I mean i really i was really looking forward to it because you know we we go back and the, the collaborations that those two creators have done are all just wonderful is that the same font as scalped on the cover it looks like it. Anyway, it looks it looks a lot like it. Yeah. So for a book called Young Romance, the New Fifty Two Valentine's Day Special, mm-hmm. not only was it not very romantic, it was very depressing. Uh, <laughs> well, Young Romance, if you're not listening, uh, is a throwback title to yeah. an old genre, genre invented by Joe Simon Jack Kirby. By the way, yeah. the problem with this is that a eight bucks, that's too much. Jeez, I, I know yeah. it's in there, but it's like eight bucks. Come on, they let off with the worst stories. I yes. Thought. Like, right away, I started reading the Catwoman story, and I was like, I can't get through this. This is all. But the problem is, what was romantic about that? Nothing. I don't know. I didn't even finish Literally the nothing happened. He, She tries to steal something. He stops her, and that's it. Yep. And then the only one I thought was even borderline romantic was the Cecil Cacciolucci's Aquaman story. Which I didn't finish either. After that, you had Batgirl. The Batgirl one was weird. Pity Kiss, a weird, weird dude with a weird half-shaved head. I don't see that happening. You had hold on, I'm trying to get past these. And apparently, there's more to that story in the ongoing series. You had a very bizarre Midnighter, and I I liked that. Follow in Midnighter because at least it felt realish, or at least not just like here's some here's eight pages underground quality to it. That was it. Yeah, it was Bisley, so it looked kind of cool. You had Nightwing getting stood up on a date. I liked that one. The things they weren't bad stories, but it wasn't anything romantic about them. And then you had a, a Wonder Woman Superman date in which they had a fight, and then Superman saved her. That was partially romantic because it saved her from yeah. a bullet. But like yeah, the end of the the end of the Apollo Midnighter one was it was just because at the end of it they're both smiling, and then, <laughs> and 
<laughs> and then Apollo hooks up with a lady boy. Right. It's just it's just there's so many ways you can actually tell romance stories. But at least that was characters. subversive to me. So that's why I enjoyed that one because it was I really right, liked the yeah. night. But even then it wasn't romantic. He wanted to be with Midnighter and Midnighter rejected him. So he went and hooked, got a random but, bar hookup. No, but they didn't kinda, really reject him. They were both, they were I both like, like the cards. The cards are fine. I like the insert cards. The things you'd give out, you put in the you know nooks in you know in, in elementary school. Like you give out the cards. It's the thing that Charlie Brown never got. You know, what, you all my love is more powerful than a locomotive. You, you, they're funny. No, they're, I like, think they're fine. I like. You them. leave off the last page of that Nightwing story, and I really liked it. It was it was weird. <laughs> Getting it was stood just up. weird. Sitting there with a pizza. Yeah. I didn't know what the point of that was because he'd already been dumped once, so there was no there was no arc to it. It just exactly stopped. that was the weird part of it. Great it was, art, I though. Mean, I really dug that. There are ways you can tell these st- romantic stories of these characters. There's lots of romance, and they just uh, the Superman story. Like at the end, it was just like, and that's why I love you. And I was like, eh, a little much. Is anyone rooting for that particular? I don't feel it at couple? all. I am. Are you? Yeah, it's interesting. Okay. It's new. It's something different. Is it new? I, I guess in theory, I think it's interesting. I don't know if in practice. Not that I've read a lot of that. There hasn't been a lot of it. I yeah. yeah. I got, I, was there a Christmas special this past year? Probably. I don't think so. They've been I remember very, looking forward to like, the Christmas the... special. There's no crazy Dan DiDio story about Aquaman going to the Nativity. That was a weird one. That was like 2008 or something. Yeah, that was the highlight. What a High... bummer of a romance book, though. It really was. Like, yeah. I was really looking forward to some sort of goofy sort of date nights. And, I, was, and just... I had like set myself up. To, I was like, okay, I want to be, be impressed. I want to see, come on, let's see what you got. And, and good old DC Comics of now. <laughs> I just read the Catwoman Batman story and I went, wait, what? That's that's it? You that's, led that's, with that's, this? Weird. All right. New Avengers number three. Strangely, because they started off so differently, I'm really liking New Avengers a lot and not so much liking Avengers. I think it's more it's more focused than, and, than, than crazy and ambitious with what he's doing with regular Avengers. I, li- I like the idea of – I always like the idea of the Illuminati – and just these guys being super secretive and it kind of they're good guys but they're doing something that's a little bit murky right and here they're so they're tasked with so the idea is that there's another planet earth or another version of earth and it's well the, the, that's the whole that's the whole setup is that the multiverse is collapsing in on itself and the only way to save their planet is they have to constantly push back the one that appears in these you know in their sky so the choice is both planets will be destroyed or destroy the other planet to save themselves yeah. yeah save themselves and and cap is is not having that because it's the lesser of two evils and there's got to be a better way and it ends with kind of a sort of a dark choice in that they they all sort of turn on cap and they zatanna or, mind wipe him they, they mind wipe him yeah they they, <laughs> they lay him out and uh he's not going to remember so i guess he's at he's out of the illuminati it's very interesting i really he like the dynamics of illuminati no, he shouldn't have been. I like the interplay. It's, I mean, it's very much a talkie book. It's very much a debating of what, what the right thing to do is. And I do like that. You put these characters together in a room and the conversation is interesting. I, like, I also like, I think uh, Professor Xavier is really interesting as a dead guy. <laughs> like, and, and he has these things where he, he secretly tucks memories into people's heads or like he mind wipes them and sends them like a, like a letter later on and they, they open it up and beasts, you know, sees this thing that says remember and it triggers this memory of, you know, what sort it's sort of like what he's, he's uh, what Xavier's left him mm-hmm. and that's his role in the Illuminati. And, and that's kind of cool. I like black Panther in this. Yeah. As the, he's the king of the dead and, uh, and just totally sort of betrays Captain America. <laughs> it's a West wing kind of betrayal. Like yeah. he was, I was going to put in my vote, but nope. <laughs> yeah. It's just politics. 
Now I'm very curious to hear this is this discussion because up till now, uh, Hellboy and Hell has been only been read by Josh, and he's been thoroughly panning it. And now, now Paul has joined us, and you also read Hellboy and Hell, so yes, you really fight. like it. This is the best of all of the issues. However, I think that mm-hmm. I built it up too much for myself because this is basically a demon explaining Hellboy's lineage. It's basically what this is. And then every once in a while, they have somebody punch right. somebody in the middle of it. But it's it's and here's what happened next, boy. And that yeah, is I, my my main my main issue with it. I find it I find it uncompelling. And yeah, I, I'm not, I hate I'm not this is the this. third book in a row that I've been like, oh, I don't like it. But it's um I like you know it's, so it's Astaroth who is uh, Hellboy's uncle, and then I think and then Hellboy's brother. You already know more than I do. Yeah, his brothers are in this. Gammon and Lusk. Oh man. We've seen Astaroth before. I, I did. I did a little research. I wanted to be prepared for the show. <laughs> you are new to this, <laughs> but <laughs> no. But so this is so it's a little bit of family reunion, and then there, it's not a. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what it would be called. It's not a Deus Ex Machina. It's, a it's demon the reverse of that. A demon ex machina, yeah. with this Leviathan coming up and eating all of Hellboy's relatives. So that problem solved. And you know what? I, there's an interesting reveal here, though. That would be useful sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> but the it's 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 a little it's interesting. Um, Hellboy killed Satan, and he didn't remember it. Yeah, Maybe some yeah. post-traumatic stress or something. Like, in no, his... that's that's a good one. Oh, by the way, in the past you killed Satan, and it would you, you just forgot about it and worry about it. Right. And then a giant it, lizard pops out of the ground and eats the problem that we had currently. It was. So I, it's a very odd story. I mean, through through this these three issues, there's been this whole the Charles Dickens motif with like the, you know the three spirits, and then there's also the you know the Dante's Inferno thing. I think. Well, the the other thing for me is let me blow your minds a little bit. I I miss Duncan Figueroa's Hellboy. To be honest, yes. You guys have turned on on Magnolia so fast. It feels fast. like a cut and paste of of like it feels like they just had some old Hellboy pages around because there's no story. It's just bits of old things put together or things that are new that could have been old it's just like it's i mean i wanted to be wowed and i'm just like oh it's not and i don't want to say that i i always prefer duncan Fregredo to I mignola i just think this particular mignola it's it's very it's it's very elegant in its way but there's it's all form and not a lot of line there's it's very what i call like gestural like when you're when you're sitting down in an art class to do the you know to to sketch nudes or whatever and you got the charcoal you do a you do a bunch of gestures all at once where it's just like you draw the, the sort of the spine shape the form of it and then you go back and add in detail later and it's like he did that with this but then he didn't go back and add nuance to the panels and that's a choice and it's cool looking in some panels but it also makes the whole thing feel very sort of I don't know like it's very soft and there's not a whole lot of a lot of great detail, and that's what I miss from the Figredo stuff, like Wild Hunt. But, so. you know, Figredo's very different. This, to me, doesn't look any different yeah. than any of the other, any other Manuela stuff ever did. I um, think it's just that the setting isn't giving him a chance to show us what he can do. He's just doing, it's his different cover on every page. And every I think he's. I think he was a little bit more visually articulate back in the day, the well, classic you know, boy stuff. I think I mean, right it's one now of those it's... Things where you know, he was a young, hungry guy back then, showing what he could do. Now he hasn't drawn a regular book for a while. Like he doesn't have to. He has other people do it. He talks about it, and then somebody else scripts it. And that you know, you know, this is this is all his thing. I feel like there's actually a lot going on there that I don't know if it made it to the page. I feel like there was an ambitious thing here that that isn't there. And I, and I actually, it hasn't finished yet, so I I hesitate right. to call it a wash because I don't think it is. I don't think it's that. I like the the Edward Gray stuff from the first issue 
where he first falls into the pit. Sir Edward Grey, the Witchfinder, his ghost is helping him out. I don't think I understand enough of the literary references either to the Mignolaverse. Oh, okay. On. I think that, that that's part of it. And yeah, I mean, like, there's a there's a thing where like we kind of moved on to Figrido, and he took the things that were best about Mignola. I don't know. It's it it's it's missing it's missing something. I I, I want to see some of that big action stuff that that was it's also it's it. also it's a it's a lot of um hellboy being very passive like he's 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 being led on this tour of yes, hell yes. and just going oh crap That's and then watching other people and when he says oh crap it's starting to feel like like a catchphrase from extras yes yes but it is it's always been that i way. know but like it's really mm. sort of it's like oh don't don't say it again it's becoming sort of a did i do that like it's becoming yeah, an urkel it, yes thing. yes it is and it's. I don't want it to feel like that because it's just I like I. I so you know much. what? We haven't had a word balloon in a while. Let's have him say, "Oh crap!" Here, yeah. and it's. You know, it, it, it's appropriate, I guess. But it's. It's just. It's a little bit jarring. So, but before we get any grief, this is is a beautiful stuff, and it's it's Hellboy, so it's a lot of fun. But I think there have been much better stories. Yeah. Uh, oh, more, yeah. More complexity, more nuance. I am, I, so. uh, you know, how's that man ever going to beat those two pages of pancakes? Right. He, he shot himself yeah. in the foot like that. There's there's nothing you can do to get around it. Ah crap! Buy stuff, but not from us. You just got to go to Amazon where you're buying stuff from anyway. If you go to ifanboy.com/slash/amazon, that's going to link you over to Amazon proper. And if you do that without doing anything very much, you you can help us out indirectly. So you were going to buy stuff, you know, at Amazon. Pretty much everything you can get now from Amazon, Connor. You know about that, right? I bought a horse. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't realize I had no room in my apartment for a horse. It was prime or eligible. What was I supposed <laughs> it was, to do? It was free. Listen, for shipping. this is the thing. When you listen to this, this blizzard will or will not have happened. And I'm really cl- curious to know if, if they're going to deliver within the two-day window my Blazing Saddles Blu-ray. Nice. I really wanted to watch it, and it's not available on anything. So I went with the, I went with the Prime, and, and they were sending it this way. It's so. relatively cheap. Isn't it? I bought that last year? Eight bucks. Yeah. Eight bucks. If you, listen, if you haven't listened to Mel Brooks. One of the all-time great movies. On, uh, on WTF. It's going to give you a super hankering for some Gene Wilder at the very least. So mm. we, I watch Young Frankenstein right away. He makes me laugh just by looking his eyes left and right. Mm. So what I'm saying is you can, you can get those on uh, Amazon, for example, sent to your house. Uh, and if you go through our link, then we'll get a little, little taste of that. And it's a really good, easy, passive way, a Hellboy way, to, <laughs> uh, to help iFanboy out. And, and we really appreciate that because Connor can't do this all on his own. No. It's actually, it doesn't even work. It's antithetical. <laughs> I felt much similar to Red Team as I did to Snapshot, although I liked Red Team a lot more than I liked Snapshot. Yes. Red Team number one is from Garth Ennis, Dynamite. It's a miniseries about a elite crime unit in, in the NYPD who gets caught up in murdering suspects. It's they, major crimes, right? And they get fed up with the system. And art aside, the art was what it was. It was, it was you know, it's Dynamite. It was very much the Ethan Hawke and Idris Elba were on the team and... <laughs> and that, that is what it is. But story-wise, I thought it was really compelling and interesting, and I really now want to know what's going to happen because he really crafted an interesting opening act to this piece. Yeah, it's, it's funny you mentioned that I actually have dynamite art in my notes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it is what it is. No, I like I, I like this. I like the I like the framing device of it that it's they're talking to one of these cops in a holding cell uh, interrogation room, and he's saying how they were led to how he and his team were led to choose how to 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 murder. A suspect. That's how he puts it, and then they're like murder. That's a you know, it's a strong. You don't expect someone to say I murdered him right. if they feel like they're in the right. 
I don't know. It's cool. It, like it, there's a bit like a like it made me miss the wire a bit. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know. It was. I thought this was a lot of fun. I, I I think I like this more than you did. There's but nothing that makes me not miss the wire. No, I, I, I liked I thought, it quite a bit. Honestly, it was just. I think the art. Well, I liked it more. So there. Okay, fine. I haven't read it yet, so I'm definitely should read it's, it. I think you'll like it. Yeah, it's a. Uh, it's got a great voice, and and it, it 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 it's a. I think it's a great first issue in that it um it sets up this whole problem and and the moral dilemma of it. Yes. I mean, if it was a pilot for a TV show, I'd want to watch more. Is, is, there, is there any chance that there was a Geordie tank driver in it? Because I've really come to like that guy. No, but it, it is it is Garth Ennis doing more on on the war story side of things than the boys. Uh, Where is it set? Side. Is, it, is it New York? Yeah, or it's New York. It? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Right. They're in Queens. There. Yeah. Uh, so it, they, I mean, it's really that sort of the more thoughtful, interesting side of Garth Ennis. And, cool. There's a little bit of like politics, you know, within the different units and and stuff, and that who likes who and who doesn't. They're still publishing Scarlet. <laughs> I did a triple take when I saw yeah. Scarlet on the that list. That was like this, six. That's it. Didn't this series begin in 2005 or something like that? I don't think it was that long ago. No, it was never that long, that long, long, long ago. ago. Like 2011 or something. Yeah, I I, uh, I I missed this and I without knowing that I missed it. But I was like, oh, I, I'm, I'm kind of in the mood to read some more Scarlet. Do you and, remember uh, where I left off? It was three years ago it began, 2010. Ish. Okay. It, it catches you up enough. The one, like profiler person who was who was following this she was uh agent going she was um which i always thought was a weird name she was dismissed sort of from the case and but she's still kind of following it and um scarlet has sort of assembled like a you know a, a group of young ruffians who are you know interested in stopping police corruption and they they take over a you know a news show in portland and um they're staging more rallies and things and they're getting more and more brazen and they are actually attacking cops from rooftops, and it's a very, it, you know, <laughs> with the political climate right now, it's very, it's a very odd book to, you know, for this to be the protagonist. But it's just, it's fascinating, and you can tell that his heart is in it. Bendis, I mean, and uh, I was actually reading some of the the letters in the back, or it's, it's not really a letter page; it's an essay page where he's talking about how, why they stopped for a while because things were getting a little bit too real. And he actually says he was getting uncomfortable to write the book and for Malieve to draw the book. And obviously they both had kids in the interim. And, um, but I think, this, I think it's a fascinating book. I think it's, uh, it's going weird places and, and it's asking weird things of us to, to follow this protagonist. Art's a little bit too photoreal, but in places that works to its advantage it's very expressive. You think he's taking it, this is you can this is totally speculation, but you think he maybe right. taking more shortcuts because it's a no, no money book? Right, no, I think I think that's the way Malieve was drawing at the time the book started. Remember, yeah, even his super stuff was getting too photoshoppy. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I mean this is this is then. this is I think this is no more photo real than previous issues of this book. Um, it looks exactly the same as it has. I think it's always been sort of an issue yeah. with this. That now, Josh, where did you fit Dia de los Muertos in your long box? Listen, it's been a big <laughs> problem. I've been out all day trying to find Golden Age bags and a board. And board. Get a magazine acid, bag. Acid-free. No, I have to have very specific acid-free mylar. Because right. this, if I, I had to keep this issue uh, pristine in case someday it is worth a lot of money. This is a three-story anthology uh, <laughs> focusing on Dia de los Muertos, Day of the Dead. I've been saying it to myself all day. It's such a fun. It is muertos. I actually, I, I liked this. Yeah. Quite a bit. I, I, I liked the the first story the least, but they were all, they all had something interesting about them. Oh, interesting. I liked, I liked the middle one the least, probably. Yeah, um, the one where Sam Humphreys goes after the demons. 
Is that the one? Or uh, you could go that route, yeah. yeah. But the, it's interesting because it's an anthology where the art, or at least most of the art, is Riley Rosmo, mm. and you have different writers. You're used to the other way around. I gotta say, I was really impressed by the last story. God, it's gorgeous. Uh, not just it's like art. a. I mean, like I thought it was. I thought oh, it was yeah, written yeah. well. It was. It was really. It was by Poetic. Dirk Manning, that dude who who does a column on writing comics, and this is the th- only thing I've ever seen that he that he's written. But it was partially uh, in Spanish, and then yeah, balloon under it. I in was English. really impressed, and it was it did that. It was like a, it was almost more of a tone poem than it was sort of a narrative. Yes. And I I really enjoyed it, and I think I think Rosmo, like you can always tell it's him. But he he right. does slightly different things uh, into different things that he does, and he's done he's done a lot. You know he's he's the he's he's the image pony. You want to do a book? Yeah, I'll do a book with you. Let's do it. You know, <laughs> there's a lot of love in this book. I mean, it's from the the atypical sort of wider format, mm-hmm. and it's just just every every page looks looks pretty gorgeous. What's funny is the first couple pages of that first story look like they weren't drawn for this format, and then they remembered, and the rest of it's <laughs> yeah. all in wide format. <laughs> there's a bit of you know white gutters in there, and they're uh, yeah clearly not supposed to be. It's it's. It's, it's it, the book smells great. Like <laughs> it's very it, tactile. Yeah, it is, and it like it's it's just like it's got a different side, page weight, and the the ink looks different on it than in other books. Like it's it's a nice it was a nice change of pace. It's big thick. I pages. love the color in the last story, like these lime green skies and purple shadows and stuff. And it's a it's a five dollar uh, book, but it's it's worth the five bucks. I believe so. Yeah, and uh, there's going to be more of this. There's an, they're advertising the next issue on the back. Uno. Very quickly, all new X-Men number seven has hit that point of it was excellent again, which is okay. not, not a knock on it, but it's the point where I'm, I'm loving every issue, but also very quickly running out of things to say because we've had seven issues in seven weeks, I assume, at this point. I don't even know how many. Well, I've, I've never talked about it, yeah. um, and I, I kind of wanted it's, to add this to the daily. list. I wanted to, to add this to the list because I, I wanted to assure the listeners that uh, Ron's ghost is still present, that we will be talking about mutants and X-Men. Yeah, but we all like this, uh, so... Yeah, yeah. You know. So it's... Oh, guys, you know, the new issue uh, just came out. I love the art in this. It's expressive without being... We've got to come up with another word for this you know, really, instead of expressive. Is this it's very clean. Yeah. Yeah. I I just I like that this actually this this goes a long way in solving the Cyclops problem. Mm-hmm. Or I don't know if it's solving it, but it's talking about it. it's acknowledging it. One of the Cyclops problems. Well, I don't know all. There's of the them. inherent problem that he's just. Uh, although marker. this had one of my favorite <laughs> things that is, and I assume they do this on purpose. One of my favorite things that is silly about superhero books is in the first page is Cyclops walking around yes. in his quote unquote disguise. <laughs> Yes. His, yellow, yeah. his yellow panties and visor <laughs> and balaclava mask. He's like, well, I've got a jacket and hat on. So they won't notice. Well, that girl notices next yeah. time. But I love the giant red glasses he gets out of the tape deposit. Yep. I mean. But like, is, he, is he stuck in that costume? Is that why? Is that all he has? Well, he didn't, yeah. he didn't transport with clothing. If he right, goes, so remember how much he thought bottled and, water was. I missed was. a few issues, to be honest. So, but then he goes and he goes into the, into the bank in the safe deposit box and he gets his giant Kanye glasses. <laughs> And and puts those on. They don't and, pinch uh, as much. It, as it was a relief. Yeah. So I I don't know what the you know. Well, the, the visor pinches. Clearly, it's tight. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. And then Mystique is is meddling with him. And, it was great. Uh, it was just another great issue. I like Mystique in this too a lot. Yeah. I like yeah. that that she was like the instrument of chaos. At the end, she's like, I don't care. <laughs> it was fun. It was funny. Great characterizations. Yeah. Comes out a lot, but I don't hate that. It's just it's just a lot of it. Right. So those are the books we're going to talk about this week. You can go to ifanboy.com slash comics and you can make your pull list. You can rate and review books. You can make your own pick of the week and we like to run down the top five picks of the week as chosen by the audience. And the top five 
picks are these at time of recording. The numbers may change later when you when you check if you haven't uh, checked already. Number five was all new exit number seven with three point nine percent of the votes. Number four was I love trouble. Number three with five percent of the votes. Number three was snapshot. Number one with seven point eight percent. Number two was new Avengers three with twenty eight point two percent of the votes. Really strong. One and two really way way above the others. And number one, no surprise, Green Arrow seventeen with forty three point two percent. Of the votes. When I when you go to ifanboy.com slash comics, mm. you can make your own user review. You can write it. And if it's good, we'll get it on the show. And the first review is from Marlo, who reviewed the Fearless Defenders, number one, the latest Marvel Now book. Speaking and Marlo gave the story five out of five and the art four out of five. And 0.1% of you made it the pick of the week. And Marlo's entire review says, I was familiar with Valkyrie going into this, but not Misty Knight. And man, they both kicked some serious ass. The issue starts out by highlighting the contrast between Val and Misty. And it does so very effectively. The story is incredibly simple, but it did reel me in. And the chemistry between the characters is good, and I want to know more. The awesomest part by far was the Valkyrie Dr. Riggs kiss. I feel like I should say here that I'm a non-straight female, and I didn't find that fan service at all. I really liked how matter-of-fact it was and, dealt, and it was dealt with. And Val just rolls with it, too, in typical Asgardian warrior fashion. My only complaint with this issue was some of the art. There were some cheesecakey poses that, were, that had to show the boobs and the butt at the same time, especially yeah. Misty when she's supposed to be fighting. It just seems really unnatural. All in all, though... I'm really excited for the next issue. And then it's actually signed off with my name is my name. So that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Marlo, you want it one way, but it's the other way with art. Yeah. I'm still All doing right. Marlo Stanfield. I have to stop. It's understandable. though. How do you not? CTP. No. no, wait, I'm already messing up. CPTAL Algonquin. Yeah. Algonquin. Is that, well, what do you think that the CPT stands for? Captain Algonquin? Captain Algonquin 17, set of Swamp Thing number 17. Gave the story a 3 out of 5 and the art a 2 out of 5. Pick of the week percentage would be 0%. And the entire review is this is the perfect example of how bad art can ruin an issue. Andrew Bellinger's art is flat out hard to look at, made enjoying this issue a challenge. The characters, especially Anton Arcane, look strange, and some scenes were just flat out ugly. As for the story, it wasn't the epic finale I was hoping for, especially of a story arc that's been building up for so long. A lot of the story threads are left for the next issues of both Swamp Thing and Animal Man. Two things about this. One, I didn't think the art was bad. It just didn't fit. Mm-hmm. It was completely different than what was come before. And at least before, they've had different artists with a similar style. This was a very cartoony style that didn't fit at all the look of the book. So it was very jarring. And I agree with him that this has been going on so long, and this was built as the finale, and then we have the epilogues next month, which the story continues in. It just, it just feels like it's never-ending. But I didn't really enjoy the Animal Man part of it, so I'm thinking, I think the art did hurt it just simply because it was such a jarring change. So there you go. Go to ifanboy.com slash comics, rate and review your books, write our user review, and we'll get it on the show. And now, for the first time, with this Book of the Month review. Does it feel weird Paul. to you, Paul? <laughs> it is It is yeah. weird. So my first Book of the Month, but actually it was it was a very easy choice. I just, I saw that it was coming out and I knew that I had to write a Book of the Month review and I was like, that's probably going to be it. It's perfect. So this is uh, the One Trick Ripoff and Deep Cuts by Paul Pope. And for some of you, that's enough to run out and grab it. But it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful collection, a really great hardcover from Image Comics. And this is sort of a survey of Paul Pope's career from about 1993 through 2001. And it, it's broken down chronologically, but also by where Paul Pope lived at the time. So uh, starts out in Columbus, Ohio, and then 
going to Toronto and, and Tokyo and, and New York finally, which is where he is now, I guess. That's right, right? Yeah. Yes. So this is, a, yeah. this is a collection. So it's not a new book. It's a collection. Well, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a new collection. It just came out. No, but I mean, but it's not it's, like a new, it's not a new material. It's a collection. Right. It's, it's, all, it's old stuff. Now, I mean, people who are, are, who are complete Paul Pope devotees will, will know some of the stuff that's been collected before. I'm a novice, so this is all new to me. The first story is The One Trick Ripoff, and it's, it's a, sort of like a gangland romance story. And it's it's about a you know a young couple in love, and they're, they they want to get out of Los Angeles and go to the Dakotas so they can watch the stars. They go up on the roof and they look at the constellations. And but the one thing keeping them from doing that is they have no money. They need to steal some money, and they have these ties to this gang called the One Tricks. And the One Tricks have one trick, and that one trick is a Jedi mind trick. They have uh, extremely strong supernatural sort of power of suggestion. So they can tell you, I'm invisible, and they won't be able to see you. Ron or there's a, there's a snake around your neck, and you'll believe you're being strangled by a snake. And so that's their one. And they never really explain, he never explains, you know, how they learned that. But that's something that all the gang members are able to do. And then they kind of have this sort of uh, thing where two of the gang members will try to do it to each other and it doesn't quite work. And it's sort of like a battle of the wills. And it gets crazier and, and more frantic in the art visually as it goes along. And it, it gets into this big battle at the end. And, and you know Paul Pope's style, probably even if you haven't, you know, read a lot of his work. It's very distinctive, lots of heavy inks. And it gets really chaotic towards the end of the story, and I, and, and I liked it quite a bit. And what, what I really liked about it was that it's violent yet hopeful. It's a very romantic story in like the traditional sense and the modern sense of romance. He's always got a, an air of romance and stuff, even if it's somewhat dystopian. Yeah, he's sort of a, a renaissance man in terms of, I mean, he, he writes and he draws and he's a poet in a lot of these. He's, he's adapting a lot of... Other people's poetry, like he's Rimbaud. Also, you can't and, tell, but he was spinning records while he did this. Right, and, and he's a DJ, so he's, he's, he's very musical. And, and I think that plays into the art as well in the storytelling. And I think he's not just a great artist, he's a really good writer, too. Do you, do you know when, when, this, when this story was originally published? I'm just curious what, when in the time. 96, I believe. Wow. It's funny cause yeah. because he's so different than everybody else. And when he comes stuff out, it always feels kind of new. I forget like yeah. he's been around for like he's a vet he's older than me he has to be yeah like he's oh, yeah, a definitely. veteran it's really yeah but when you go through this it, it was interesting it's sort of an evolution of an artist and you see different things he's playing with but it's not really evolution of style except for there's a couple of manga things he does in here he was in Tokyo working for a manga company and it's very much you know a western doing manga but a little bit more successful than that usually is but it's really it's an evolution of his interests and you know poetry and and um the different themes that he likes and there's a lot of things about like missed connections like guys who who encounter you know a cute girl in the crowd and he tries to track her down and you know get her number but he can never find her she gets lost in the crowd there's like two or three stories that are like that here he's a guy who always gets to follow that that muse like he's one of the few guys who yeah. has mm-hmm. been able to actually make a career out of doing his work you know mm-hmm. the stuff that he likes you know he did a batman story once or whatever but most of the stuff you see come out of right. it it's it's pope you know? And he's done, he's done some. I mean, he did he did a story in Wednesday Comics. I mean, he's he's done stuff here and there, but clearly it's. But even then, you know, yeah. it's, it's heavily through his filter. So oh sure, I don't, he doesn't. Yeah. he doesn't cut out anybody's. Or doesn't seem to anyway. Cut out anybody's uh, vision. He is you know total auteur, and one of the things you know, talking about when whenever the stuff comes out, it looks new. There's there's some stuff in here where I I see other artists, but obviously they got it from him, not the other way around. Like right. I see a little bit of Lemire in here. 
I see a lot of like James Stokoe. Oh yeah, definitely. In that's, Paul Pope, and I'm, I'm sure that was that, that's got to be one of his influences. That, that just the way he draws these these he, he has this signature sort of hero with like the long dark hair, yeah, like sort of like a like a Ramones kind of reject, and uh, you can see a lot of like the, just the look and in the eyes. That is very, always reminds me of the of uh, Moon and Ba. I think that those yep. are yeah. Well, you, yeah. I mean, you talk if Definitely. you're talking about guys doing that kind of work now, you know, Pope is. He's one of the primary influences. You know, it's he's funny because the- there was no place for those guys before. Yeah. Like he forged this path entirely, and, and that's really interesting. And you don't think of him as a as you don't think of a lot of you don't tend to put him in that category of really original and important creators of the last twenty years. But he is like he totally is. There's, mm-hmm. the, you know, he he was you know responsible for a lot of the things that happened. Almost you know not as much as like a Frank Miller or something like that, but definitely in that same vein, if not necessarily as you know amplified. Whose influence is more indie than, than mainstream was Miller's was more mainstream. But, but it's, you know, but it's made its inroads. Yeah. Would you say this is a good collection for someone who is a Paul Pope novice? Yeah, I would. I would say this, this is a great way to start. You see all the things that fascinate him, and then you can dig into. So it's 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 funny to say start with the deep cuts, but uh, it's not a bad place to start. They all kind of feel like deep cuts. It's, it's all of the stories. Yeah. Very eclectic and everything, yeah. But it's it's a really nice collection, and uh, it's designed by the guy who does the Mad Men DVDs, which I thought was kind of cool. Huh. This is from Image Comics, and it's, it's from Image Comics, brand new hardcover. And uh, yeah, I believe it's like thirty bucks. So you can go to com and you can check out yep. Paul's full review, which will be there for the rest of the month, and maybe even a few weeks into the next month. We never, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> who's whose turns next? I don't want to talk about it. That's okay, Con- that was Connor giving himself a little little leeway. Instead, what we'll do is we'll read a couple of uh, viewer emails. Uh, the f- uh, Josh, why don't you take the first one? I will. Alan from Piscataway, New Jersey says, I wanted to hear your opinion on the current status of Superman in the new 52. I find him to be a big letdown in comparison to the old continuity where he appeared to be more mature and much more powerful. I look at him now and he's more like Superboy to me more than anything. I know DC powered him down to g- and gave him to give him more competition in battles, but I feel that they weakened him too much. For instance, the cheetah biting through his skin causing him to bleed and get infected. This would be impossible in the old DCU because she would have shattered all her teeth as an impenetrable skin. Also, during the throne of Atlantis, Aquaman punched Superman and sent him flying, which is laughable because he would still be standing there and Aquaman would be bent over and pain with his near-broken hand. And to add more insult, the Ocean Master renders him unconscious with a blast of lightning. So much for that Thor versus Superman debate. What do you guys think? I miss the old Superman depicted as a major force in any war. Whenever he showed up, it was game over for the bad guy, just like in Final Crisis when everyone was wondering when he would show up and put an end to Darkseid's reign. And uh, now if he's there, it doesn't really matter anymore. I bet we all have opinions on this. Yeah, first he's wrong about Cheetah. Cheetah's magical base, so even the old Superman would have been bitten and bleeding. He was always vulnerable to magic. Shazam! So, I mean, that, that part is wrong. And that, that's, that's, that's been brought up on the website quite a bit. But it's, yeah. He was always vulnerable to magic and so that's that. I always liked the Superman in the cartoon who was yeah, not cartoon? The, 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 the animated series. Which? The Superman animated series. The one from the 90s. The one that was opposite of the Batman. The only the, one, yes. The okay. great one. That's my favorite animated series ever. Who would get punched a lot and get knocked around a lot. Who was stronger than everybody but not like, he'd, you know, not like everyone couldn't take a shot at him. He was right. not vulnerable but also not he he couldn't move a planet it just i i you know that i just like that one the best and i think that part of this superman is interesting yeah he'll, he'll probably eventually win but in the meantime he's going to take his knocks right well i was talking on the phone with grant morrison the other day talking about <laughs> superman <laughs> and uh and I, I asked him what's the you know what what's the most important thing that you guys have done both him and an editorial and anyone else with the new 52 
versus the old Superman? What what's the, the important difference? And he and he said that it's it's all about like attitude, and he's more brash in the beginning, so that the the jeans and t-shirt Superman was a bit you know a, a bit more reckless and and then he wanted to toughen him up and he said the the whole point of his the beginning of his run on action comics was to bring him up to the Jim Lee thing right. in that god awful costume not yep. not his my word not his i like the t-shirt and jeans thing where he could get pummeled and he would have trouble lifting up a car or he would have trouble with you know missiles and stuff that's very interesting but you do get to a point where you want him to be yeah well the, the point of it was the growth you wanted to get to that point but yeah. I, I also don't want him to grow to the point where Aquaman would, would break his hand punching him. Because otherwise, you know, what's he going to do? What's anybody going to do? Uh, and, I, I, and I do think there's interesting stories to be told in that Superman. I do like the old Bronze Age stories. And those are interesting to me. But yeah, to me, the, I, I, the best, more of that, of the t-shirt and jeans one. The best, my favorite Superman stories are those where he can get punched, knocked around in a fight. I do like yeah. those the See, best. See, here's the thing. I agree with you, Connor, about... About that animated series, my favorite Superman right there. And, I, and mm-hmm. I, I liked it that basically in that world, you had a good idea of where everyone stood. No one was omnipotent, basically. Mm-hmm. However, in the larger universe of DC Comics as it exists, I really liked Superman as the, the nuclear bomb. Mm-hmm. I liked Superman at, and, and also because then for him as a character, the choice became – there wasn't really threats to him. And the the threats that were thought of had to be – more than physical. And then the, then the other question was like, he has so much power, how, uh, you know, how, how to best apply that? But I think, I think that all. led to the problem with, I, with the stories. Is and that I agree with that as well. The only way that Superman can face danger is in wacky Bronze Age tales. Right. No, and, Which, and I, there's something and, to that. And I think they ran out of stories. Anymore, then you can't do anything with them. Yeah. Well, I like, I like the, uh, the, the, the Jeff Johns, Gary Frank story, the Legion of Superheroes one, where he's on another planet. Mm-hmm. And it's so he's he's without the powers, and he's so it's it's about how he is as a leader and stuff like that. So that, that's that's kind of interesting. I think the Snyder uh, story, the Jim Lee and Scott Snyder book, that's going to come out later this year. I think there's I think they're going to play with the heavy hitter kind of Superman a lot. From, I think from what the, I'm hearing. The, the problem here is that we I think we don't know where he stands yet because the the action comic story has jumped all over the place. Mm-hmm. It's not set yeah. in one place, and you know they're writing it one way over here, and it's one way over here, and we don't have uh, like a baseline for what su- where Superman is actually supposed to be. And yeah. if you're a guy like like Alan who's writing in, that makes it almost more jarring. It's not like here's the new baseline; it's like here's a bunch of different things, and, and we're going to sort it out. Well, Josh, it's funny you should mention that because the very next email kind of ties to that somewhat too. All right, okay. Brian R. writes, you guys and lots of other commentators seem pretty excited by much of what you saw in the New 52 first issues way back when. You guys and lots of other commentators also seem pretty disenchanted with what's happened since. What exactly has gone wrong? Plot and editorial-driven rather than character-driven stories? effed up continuity? Overlong storylines? Interesting creators leaving? Less interesting ones remaining or being brought in? Or might fans and reviewers have conned themselves with the enthusiastic help of corporate hype, convincing themselves they could see in those first issues a freshness and innovation and uh, promise that was never actually there? For what it's worth, I don't personally think the freshness and innovation and promise was entirely, entirely illusory. Any prospect of any problems that might be there getting fixed anytime soon, you think? Wow. This is a lot more question than we have time to answer. <laughs> but yeah, um, it's- you go. 
Go, go. No, I think I think I mean I think we've taken a lot of hits from people who think we're anti DC, and I don't think that's the case at all. I think there's been a serious letdown since the premiere of the New Fifty Two. I think a lot of the ideas didn't get fulfilled. I think a lot of the promise wasn't fulfilled. I think a lot of, and it wasn't perfect. The reboot wasn't perfect. We had our problems yeah. with it. I had my problems yeah. with it. The is a mixed know, bag. The half and half continuity of the new world, but also elements of the old world, really mucked things up. Um, but I, since then, I think you've had a lot of. Clearly, editorial problems. And there have been enough reports from people who've come out and said it, and we've talked to people off the record, you know, confirming it. And there's been a lot of things that have stifled creativity, and right. there's a lot of problems. A lot. Well, of let's problems. get this out of the way first. I think going back to the hype in the the very yeah. beginning when it first came out. I think I think what happened there was I think we were pleasantly surprised that it wasn't all god awful because I don't think there was a lot. I think there was a lot of bad will towards it before it happened. And then it came out, and there was some good stuff. I was really happy about the idea that they were taking such a big creative leap in a in a world where that doesn't happen, or what's seemed to be a big creative leap. I I liked the ballsiness of the move, and I think if you listen to back to our shows, you know, like he said, we didn't like all of the issues, we didn't, but we we were trying to find something that was the good things that things that were good about it, and then from there, it kind of made all of the choices. That I wouldn't have wanted it to make, I guess. Mm-hmm. Not all of them, but a it lot. drove hard to the middle, like a candidate going from the primaries to the general election. There you go. <laughs> it did, and and you've got yeah. a bunch of creators who have brought in who were people that were big names twenty five years, thirty years ago that people now don't connect with. And and, I don't and, connect with most of them. And, and the names involved that were interesting in the beginning, the people, the every it seemed like every time they brought somebody new in, they'd driven them out within you know like four issues or something like that. Yeah, and that was really, and then replace them with one of those people from you know twenty twenty five years ago. And and I'm not saying those people people don't have a place; they shouldn't have jobs. It just, just I don't connect with it. I don't, I, I don't and I find myself reading le- fewer and fewer DC books. It's weird. I'm you know, and none of us are happy about it. Again, going back to the idea that we're somehow anti DC, which is silly enough as it is. But Paul, you know, Paul and I would love to read a lot of great DC books. Uh, absolutely, I'm not. You, like, it's silly to th- we're not against a company. That doesn't. Yeah. It's just, I don't. No. I don't. Well, like, I'm a Marvel shareholder. I, I did like not the- tell you guys this. <laughs> <laughs> Now, disclaimer. Well, there's one more point. He's here. not, by the way. <laughs> I'm not. Just in case not anyone out there does not. There's no such thing as Marvel shares or Disney shares. The only shares we have are in Ron's comic shop. That's you could, yeah. You could have lied about that. I'm no longer a Marvel <laughs> shareholder. I'm a Disney shareholder. He has so no yeah, stock. So I just, I, I, I think, you know, what I think there's a point in here where it says too many plot editorial driven stories rather than character driven stories. I think everyone needs to read that Marvel book because there's a lot of. Was it called ideas. Marvel: The Untold Story? Is yeah. that it? Okay. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of ideas that I think a lot of people have about how comics are made and how it's all pure and it's not. It's always been editorially and market driven. Always. Since well, I think I think right now at DC that there's a very like you know we talk about like a house style in art. There's also like a house style in terms of the stories. It just like right. the, so many feel well. very samey. Yeah. It's just, there's a lot of problems and I don't see it getting cleared up anytime soon as long as the people who are in charge continue to be in charge because they're the ones making the decisions. There's not there's no there are, there are very few bright spots of things that are interesting. There's lots just, of bleh. there's lots Which of, means that doesn't mean there isn't though. There are some good books. Some, but there's a, there's a lot of meatloaf basically. So, like, you know, we're digging on Batman, digging on Wonder Woman. Yeah. Earth 2's got I, its moments. I like Earth 2. I meant to talk about the show. I forgot about it, but I I, I liked the subject show a lot. Dr. Fate was good. It was cool. But yeah, there's good stuff. It's just not as much as there was 16 months ago, and and I think there's really good reasons for that. And I don't think it's I don't think it's because it wasn't there in the but beginning. It's a, but it's a brand new year. It's 2013. A lot of, all good a lot stuff. A lot of guys in Full charge of that ahead. company. Just saying. Yeah. A lot of guys. <laughs> a lot of guys who are the boss, quote unquote. You can email us at contact at ifanboy.com if you want to talk about DC or Marvel or anything. Really, We're, we got nothing else to do. 
<laughs> We're skipping the voicemails because we had the book of the month. But you call us 888-FANBOY-326-2697. You can uh, leave a voicemail for us to chat about the show. That's true. All right, and we do we do some other podcasts. Josh, you did a Talksplode. That's true. I did a, do a, I did a, a Talksplode this week uh, that came out uh, with Charles Soule, who is uh, heading into D.C. now as we speak. The new writer of Swamp Thing, he's going to be following up Scott Snyder. And we talked about this, this thing that we just talked about, uh, you know, to a certain extent. He's not, he's not a moron. But we did, I did, I said, you know, you're going to a place where a lot of the people who are new, you know, have not had the best time. You know, how did you approach that? What do you think about that? And so if that's something uh, that you think you might be interested in, it's definitely worth listening to because, uh, it, you know, it's, it's a thing to consider. We also talked about his new uh, book that's going to be coming out from Archaea called Strange Attractors, which is a really nice-looking book. And it's, it's a good, thinky book that's worth it. So you can listen to that nice, long conversation. It's just uh, me and a, and a creator, and we, we look forward to having more of those coming up. There's also the Make Comics podcast, which is a very sh- a shorter show, probably about 15 minutes usually, uh, with me and Andy Schmidt, former Marvel and IDW editor who now runs Comics Experience where you can learn how to make comics uh, in the various disciplines. And we, we pick a short topic and, and go over that once a week-ish. Ish. And I've got, some, I've got some booksplodes in the works. So I'd, I'd pick, up, uh, pick up Planet Hulk. <laughs> Might be talking about that soon. Boy. And so all that happens at ifanboy.com. We're going to be <laughs> oh doing more shows like that, more exciting podcasts for you to listen to. All of it's found at ifanboy.com. Along it's going to be a movie. Along with my Pick of the Week review and Paul's Book of the Month review, you can find that all there, including our About page. You can find our social network links at ifanboy.com slash about. And you can follow all the action at twitter.com slash ifanboy and facebook.com slash ifanboy. And you can email us at contact at ifanboy.com or leave a voicemail, as Connor said, at one eight 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 fanboys That's 326-2697. Any questions, comments, concerns, discussion topics, recipes? All right. It's time to take off the gloves with this one because uh, there should be at least 10,000 reviews in the iTunes store, and it should be at five How many stars. Other? There's something like a thousand. There's a lot, but still, you know the exact number. Hey, I, I literally, I really don't. But, but, but seriously, l- l- come on, get on it, lardass. <laughs> I'm gonna use this approach. From We're now taking on. on the obesity epidemic in America. Yeah, well, it's almost more of a, 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 a and our solution is writing iTunes reviews. What even. you're doing is you're taking the drill structure approach. That's right. Drill structure approach it's, you to know, this, motivating people to. I don't know that that's a good strategy. And I don't necessarily endorse it. So I'm not even sure. I, listen, I'm not even sure I endorse it. But you know, it's it's enough of this Nancy shit, guys. Let's get Whoa. over there. Let's. I'm, I'm, I'm even bad at pretending it. I'm. <laughs> I feel awkward. Go to iTunes and uh, leave a review for this show or the other shows if you'd like to. If, no, just do it. Enough of your lame excuses. Do it on the treadmill. Just. You, I don't want to see you off that treadmill. Put that fucking donut down. Listen. Uh, you to me. know how long it's been since I had a donut? I was thinking about that the other joke. day. Do you know how often I have donuts? They have great donuts in LA. A lot of there great, are a lot of great independent donut stores, and I drive by one every day, and I think, wow, I'd love to have a donut. I think I have one. In Here's a year. the thing: because they're unknown, you don't stop. Whereas me, within no, no, I know, I know the okay, one. Okay, well, within me, five it has minutes, great donuts. In four directions, there is a Dunkin' Donuts. Within five minutes, I'm not exaggerating. I know, and I can't. It's really hard. Like I, I have eighty cents. <laughs> and I really like Boston cream donuts. And don't I don't want I want you to understand something. Now you you could get that stuff in New York City where I lived previously. You get a Boston cream donut, but out here, they fill that donut. I mean, it's just pouring out the the, the custard. 
I'm pissed that they discontinued the red velvet glazed munchkins. Oh, that which, was that was sorry, that's off color. I apologize. You know what they have now? Donut holes. I'm sorry. You know what they have now? What do they have now? What do they have, they have the brownie butter donut. Oh no, which is stupid. <laughs> but I've bought two of them. All right. Well, we're gonna go eat donuts. Um, come back. You love the seasonal thing. That's that's what brings us together. Anyway, right. help help spread the word about the show. That's the point I was trying to make. And until next time, if assuming we haven't gone into a diabetic coma from the donuts, I'm Connor. I'm Paul. You are worthless. Who, Paul? No, the people from before. Oh, I thought you meant Paul. I was going to back you up. Whoa, you, are we going to back me up or Paul up? Yeah, you. We okay, too. Yeah. Maybe we should. Maybe we should use that to try to make Paul a little, little better. Then he could get better than us, and that would be awkward. What do you mean better? <laughs> Shut up, Sally. 